Hey everyone. Hello. Welcome back to The Hills Are Alive, a movie musical podcast. This is Kelsey. And I'm Alex. And um, yeah, today we are discussing, drumroll please. <laughs> Actually, all of you probably know what it is because the uh, movie is in the title of the episode, but we're doing <laughs> The Phantom of the Opera. We had a poll uh, um, that went up when our last our last episode went up, asking if we should do Phantom or Cats. Right, because the theme was polarizing Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pretty surprised that it was a resounding yes for Phantom. Yeah, I, I wasn't really expecting that either. I, I Very few people, mm-hmm. very few, like maybe less than five voted for Cats. And they were us. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be clear, neither of us have seen Cats, at least not the movie. Right. Um. So I don't really know exactly why we were pulling for cats. I I, I just I kind of want to see it, it. It looks so ridiculous. I think it's because it's known as being more of like a train wreck. Right. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that kind of thing is fun to talk about. It's known more for being a train wreck, but take a seat. Turns take a back seat. Turns out cats. Turns out Phantom is a little bit of a train wreck. Oh, it's not good. <laughs> so Kelsey. First of all, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. good. How are you? I am good. I uh, cut all my hair off. Mm-hmm. It looks really good. Y'all Thanks. can't see it, but it looks great. I buzzed my head. I didn't do it crying alone at home <laughs> in the bathroom. I went to a salon very safely. <laughs> With like Elliot Smith playing in the background. <laughs> exactly. You know, it wasn't a Royal Tenenbaums <laughs> moment good i mean good yeah that's good it's not that's not a happy point in the film i feel like whenever anyone buzzes their head you just picture them like crying with the like the buzzer in the shower in the yeah in the bathroom mirror yeah happy people don't do this so what's really going on (laughs) happy people don't kill people they just don't Wait, what is that? It's from Legally Blonde. Oh, I should. Nah, I haven't seen it in a long Working time. Working out gives you endorphins. <laughs> oh, right, in the courtroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so um, Phantom of the Opera, 2004, directed by Joel Schumacher. Mm-hmm. Music, obviously, by Andrew Lloyd Andrew Webber. Lloyd Webber. Screenplay by Joel Schumacher and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Mm-hmm. Um, do you is there anything about this movie that you really enjoyed? Um <laughs> there were okay, so I think that there were I mean there there are like some songs that I really like. Um what were You some? you have you did not had you seen the movie before? I I think I had seen it once like one, like near when it came out and I didn't remember anything about it and I've never seen the stage musical. Okay. Yeah, I've seen I haven't seen it live. I've seen the 25th anniversary performance, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not my favorite, but it was very, very good. Yeah. The movie is not good. <laughs> the movie, and, and here's the thing about, you know, adapting this for the screen. So, if you're seeing the stage show, they're never going to cast an actress who is actually like 16 or 17, which is how old Christine is supposed to be. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you're seeing yeah. it on stage, like you might know in the back of your head that that's how old she's supposed to be, but you're still seeing like someone who's like probably in their mid twenties. 
you know. Well, and uh, in the stage performance, I don't know, age never crossed my mind. Yeah. Um, I guess I assumed that they were relatively younger. Um, I mean, yeah, I didn't think about it at all. They don't reference a lot of... I mean, it just doesn't come up. It doesn't come up. Right. But then when you see her gravestone at the end of the movie... And you're yeah, like, which is not in the in the stage right, production. Right. Um, yeah, we should mention... Okay, so Emmy Rossum plays Christine Daae. Yes. Uh, Patrick Wilson mm. is Raul, the mm. Vicomte. And, the, new, um, the new patron. <laughs> yeah, and Gerard Butler is the phantom. So Emmy Rossum had just turned, just turned 17. Right. I mean, she wasn't on the verge of 18. Like, literally, her birthday was a week before filming started. Yeah. So she was basically 16. Mm-hmm. Patrick Wilson was 30. Mm-hmm. And Gerard Butler was 33. 33 when they started, 34 by the time it ended. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's... It's just gross. Yeah. It's, it's gross. And considering the fact that he, you know, the basically the plot of the movie is that he's been grooming her. Mm-hmm. The Phantom has been grooming her since she was a child. Yeah, her angel ghost teacher dad yeah. or something. It's just <laughs> gross. And then and then she has to have pity on him at the end. It's just, ugh, I don't, anyway. You know, also, um, I just... <laughs> I don't want to read too much into this, but I thought it was interesting. Um, so the first time I ever saw Patrick Wilson on screen was in the movie Hard Candy. Are you familiar with that one? No. Okay. Well, it stars him and Elliot Page. Okay. And from from when? It was like a year after this movie came out, so 2005 or 2006. Oh, so this was. I mean, Hard Candy. This was like his first big movie. He had been in one other one, but I yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, this was his first big movie. He was actually a stage actor. So did so did that come out like the year after Juno for Elliot Page? I don't remember when Juno came out, but maybe. The only things I remember about Hard Candy are I'm I remember mostly just how messed up I felt leaving the theater cuz here's the plot of the movie. Okay. Elliot Page is a young 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. who tracks down a pedophile played by Patrick Wilson. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, and basically uh, the character decides to trap him. He, he, um, yeah. He, oh, so, yeah, like a, like a dateline to but, catch a Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. but Chris Hansen isn't there. Yeah. Um, the 14-year-old does it all on her own, and yeah. um, I just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying anything about Patrick Wilson at all, I want to be clear, but yeah. it is interesting that, like, he goes from this movie where he's in love with a 17-year-old <laughs> actress. <laughs> right. Slash character, uh-huh. um, and the next movie he did, the ages weren't that different, and he was a pedophile. <laughs> right. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but about Patrick Wilson, he, he was the first person cast in the movie, and I think that's because he comes from a Broadway he, he, background. Yeah, which is something I didn't realize until doing looking know, into it a little you, bit. I know, because you wouldn't guess it no, from I mean, this movie. You uh, From this movie? He was a great singer. I could, like, he was... Arguably, of the of the principles. of the three, he was the best. Yes, of course. Um, but I don't like his Raúl at all. So I'm I'm just so used to Patrick Wilson. Like nowadays, like I don't know. I just one of my notes was I didn't know Patrick Wilson was ever this hot. I, see, I <laughs> I think he he had a glow up 
Oh, um, okay. The the hair that they gave him in this movie, I think it was a wig. Uh-huh. Um, or, or just like extensions on the end. Yeah. It, I don't like that cut. Yeah. I don't like it on him mm-hmm. at all. Um, plus the the Raul and the 25th anniversary performance is very handsome. Dreamy. He's a better Raul. I mean, I yeah. think you can play that character a lot of different ways. And I felt like Patrick Wilson's was a little bit too dismissive. Sure. Um, which, of course, he only has so many lyrics to work with. And right. a lot of the lyrics are dismissive. But basically, they have that one song. What is it called? The All I Ask of You? Mm-hmm. Um, which is a great, I mean, it's a beautiful song, but that's, basically you have this one chance to, like, prove that, to prove to the audience that these two characters are in love. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's all he gets, because most of his other lines are just, like, in passing, and, you Yeah, know. and I, I just, I don't know, it, we'll talk about the stage performance <laughs> later, but... I, I wasn't crazy about Patrick Wilson in this one, as much as I do really like him as an actor, and and I do think he's a handsome guy. And uh, Gerard Butler, ugh, oh I my mean, God, was I mean also very attractive in this movie. Too attractive. Yeah, he's not supposed. He's supposed to be. Uh, he's supposed to be hideous. I mean, probably even with the mask on. Yeah, you know? and the way that Gerard Butler looks—not even—it's not even just his like profile. I mean, he's very—he has very chiseled features. Uh-huh. When he takes the mask off, <laughs> like it, he looks fine. Also, why why did his hair look good with the mask on, and then his hair was all weird when he took the mask off? Okay, so they did not do that well in the movie, and. The stage production, it's very clear that he's wearing a wig. And and they sort of, you see one very brief moment. It's like literally one second long where you see him sort of adjusting his hair. Okay. But it looks more unintentional. Like it looks like they just did a bad job with his wig. Right. Intended for the character. I didn't know also if that was partially like her being under the spell, you know? Right. Because when they're going through... You know when he's like taking her through the the corridors to get down into the the lair, mm-hmm. and it's all like beautiful with the torches are lit and everything. And then when Meg follows her, it's all gross and cobwebby, and like none of those things are lit. Oh, so that's it's a good like, note. I didn't I didn't point that out. So she like Christine is like fully engulfed in the fantasy. Well. See, I I think that's a really good idea, but I think it's too generous for this movie. And I say that because um, something that the movie took out of the stage production is the phantom-like qualities of the character. On stage, you don't see how he's achieving all of the the antics that he does right you don't there's more of a mystical quality yeah i mean there's there's fire like when he points his hands in the masquerade there's fire shooting up yeah. and and at one point there's a piano that plays on its own and then right um you don't figure out how he does the thing with um carlotta they don't show any of that, whereas in the movie they show exactly how he achieves all of it, and so it just oh, sort of so in the so it doesn't it's not clear that he like replaced her singing juice or whatever <laughs> her singing juice um i I mean it is because he he has that same line 
um, right before it happens, like, perhaps it's you that's the toad. Right. And then she starts croaking. But you don't know how he did that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I see... Here's the thing. The stage musical has a lot of... A lot of moments where you question it. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not really sure if you're if if you believe it, but for some reason, when I see something on stage, I'm I'm really willing to go with it. Sure, yeah. And the movie took all of those moments, all of those dumb moments, and expanded on them and explained them, which you sh- <laughs> and made them dumber. Right, which is part of the part of the the magic of the stage musical is not knowing. I agree. Right. So, um. All right. So. Uh, so backtrack a little bit. What is your? Would, do you want to give it a, a grade? <laughs> I could. I I don't want to say an F because I want to reserve that for what I think is truly the worst of the worst. Yeah. And, I mean this this is down there, but I'm sure there's something worse out there. So I'm gonna say a D. Okay, I was gonna say. <sighs> I want to say uh, 69. <laughs> a D. Wait, no, 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 no. Yeah. I think below a 60. A D is plus. An F. A D plus. Yeah. It's almost Maybe a, C a C minus. minus. Yeah. No, it's a D plus, but it's almost a C minus. Yeah. Yeah. Just because, uh, I don't know. It's one thing I did appreciate about this is this was before they were trying to do like the live singing shit with all these movies i enjoy the live singing i don't really i i I would prefer for them to get like their best take and then and then focus on the acting but okay so i don't know if this is true in every version of the film that's out there right now because sometimes they do re-releases or new edits Mm -hmm. but in the one that i watched um, that's a huge problem, actually. There's a lot of careless mistakes where the audio does not sync up with the actor's mouths. Oh, okay. So I personally really hated the fact that um, it wasn't live singing. Okay. But I, mean, I probably would have hated it more if it was given the quality of the vocals in the film. Right. I mean, Gerard Butler. Just why? She's not a singer. <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, he. He doesn't look the part. He doesn't sound the part. I, yeah. I just don't know why they did that. And I think that they were like leaning into the fact that the Phantom as a character is a sex symbol. But Absolutely. It, but it never had anything to do with how the Phantom looked. No. The original Phantom, um, what is his name? Michael Crawford, mm-hmm. was this skinny little comedian. But it's about the character that makes him sexy was he really a comedian yeah oh i didn't know he that like he a, has a lovely voice he was like a sketch comic and uh like a sit like a british sitcom actor wow who they just like decided what to a breakout a yeah well they had originally given the role or almost offered the role to so this was really weird andrew Lloyd weber is weird i mean there, there, but the, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason why uh the things that Am- andrew Lloyd weber and the projects that he was involved in were really successful. And it's because he had a mind for doing things that he knew would be successful in a, in a, like a pop environment. So before this, before, when they were still like workshopping the musical, he was releasing singles from it 
So that's why there's like a music video for the song Phantom of the Opera. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, And it's, um, well, Sarah Brightman was in all of them, but like he would choose like different. Because uh, didn't he originally write the musical to be a showcase for Sarah Brightman? Yes. So he was working on uh, Starlight Express, which (laughs) is about uh, trains. All the characters play trains. (laughs) And they wear roller skates. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me pull up the, uh, oh, that's good. the synopsis here. The, mu- the musical tells the story of a young but obsolete steam engine, Rusty, <laughs> who races in a oh championship against modern engines in the hope of impressing a first-class carriage <laughs> named Pearl. Famously, the actors perform the entire show on roller skates. Wow. It holds the record as the ninth longest-running theatrical pro- production in West End history. What? Having been performed 7,409 times between 1984 and 2002. Starlight Express is also the most successful musical in Germany, <laughs> where it has been performed in purpose-built in a purpose-built theater since 1988. They built a theater just for this show. Just for Starlight Express. <laughs> We've got to find a way to see this. Are there showing, any videos of it? They were showing clips. I watched this this uh, documentary about like the making of the the <laughs> stage show of, of the Phantom stage show, and they showed clips of this, and it was it truly looks like roller derby. Okay, <laughs> I was picturing something more like Xanadu. Well, kind of Xanaduy, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know if it was like. Are they are they on roller skates in Xanadu? Yes, I believe so. I think so. Yeah. yeah, okay. So anyway, he was working on Starlight Express, had gotten, he had met. <laughs> Xanadu. He had become <laughs> infatuated, Andrew Lloyd Webber had become infatuated with Sarah Brightman because she was a pop star who had done, I don't remember, she was in some like pop group, So, but she was primarily a dancer. So here's where the, the Phantom and Andrew Lloyd Webber storylines kind of start to lineup. Oh, do you think he was writing a little bit for himself too? I mean, that's what it seems like. He has this young muse who was a dancer who like he's giving a chance and writing this musical for. So anyway, uh so he decides so they start dating and he decides to write Phantom for her. Mm-hmm. And then they get married. Yeah, I knew that part. Um, they divorce later on. They didn't divorce till 1990. Okay. But I think they got married in 84. When she would have... Okay, so, like, l- literally right around the time of Phantom. Yeah. Because uh, it came out, like, two years later. But it was all, like, still, like, being written all the way up until, like, it was premiered, basically. Right. Um, so so he, she became, like, the muse for, for this. So he was, like, writing it at, with, her, with her as his wife... So, like, it was written for her. I'm sure that he was, like, having her sing everything as he was writing it. So it was written for Sarah Brightman. Yeah. Which everybody what, everybody was very critical, really was, like, wanting her to fail, basically, because she didn't really have any... She wasn't a theater She actress. didn't have any history in the theater, so they everyone uh, was just kind of waiting for her to fail. And even after it premiered, critics... There were some critics that still didn't like her. Hmm. There was this one interview with this one critic who was like, well, she's not like her her voice is really like annoying and she's Jeez. not and she's not even that pretty. It's <gasps> like he was still like bitter about it's like it's nepotism, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. But 
I mean, I don't know. Can you call it nepotism when it's just out in the open that right. he just wrote it for her? Right. <laughs> but what's funny is how it kind of lines up with the story of Phantom, as far as having this very young muse. Well, how? That, what's the age difference between um, Weber and... She was born in 60 and he was born in 48, so like 12 years. So when they got okay. married, she was 24 and he was 36. Uh, I mean... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I'm not angry about it. I mean, that's fine, but... It was a different time. It was a different time. Um... Okay, so, oh, well, we'll talk about it later. <clears throat> Should we, why don't we just go ahead and jump in? Because I have a lot of notes just sort of mixed in with the recap. Yeah, totally. Um, the, yeah, and we'll just touch on it as we go. Yeah, so let's jump into a recap. So we open uh, in Paris, 1919, and yeah. we're in a flash forward. Right. That is for some reason in black and white. It's in black and white just to, if once we're getting into the movie, it'll, it will help to differentiate the times. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we first see an old Raoul. Right. He's, well, we don't know who he is yet, but yes. Yeah. And he's returned back to the Opera Populaire. The Paris Opera House. Auctioning off uh, pieces of memorabilia that they've found. And I guess they're shutting it down. Right. Um, and we, we get lot 665, which is this mechanical monkey papier mache It's like an, it's like an organ grinder music box. Yes. With a symbol monkey on top. Right. And, uh, notably the music it plays is the song Masquerade. Right. Which we'll get to later. And, uh, in the film... He's bidding against... Madame Giri. Giri. Giri, whatever. Yeah, Madame yeah. Giri. This is something that's very strange. For some reason, uh, when we get to the flashback or the the main story, mm-hmm. Madame Giri is clearly at least 15, 20 years older than Raoul. Right. And yet, he looks like he's on... Way older than Yeah, she he's yeah. way older. He looks like he's on death's door, and yeah. she's looking pretty good. Yeah, because she's... I mean, even if it, they don't say how old she is, she's still supposed to have a teenage daughter. Yeah, I... I think that... I don't know. I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I think Joel Schumacher had some women issues. I see. Probably. Um, <laughs> at least in terms of casting and... Um, <laughs> their appearances so he wins the he wins the music box for 30 francs something like that 30 or 35 and then uh they get to lot 666 the chandelier yes so um something i noticed when i was doing research on this is with the chandelier um i just i read a lot about how they had they had three chandeliers made for the film uh-huh. one that has electricity as we see in the auction mm-hmm. one that's you know the main one mm-hmm. and then they made a quote-unquote stunt double second time i've seen <laughs> i've seen um just you know a movie fact referring to an inanimate object as, as a, a stunt, stunt double, double. Yeah. so i'm wondering if this is just a term that i wasn't aware of but anyway um the chandelier by the way is swarovski crystal and oh. you do get a little a little nod to Swarovski later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't think we get the result of that auction. Rather, once the chandelier is revealed, that's when everything all of a sudden is illuminated in color. Yeah. And we 
get to our main storyline set in 1870. 1870. Which is odd, again, because, I mean, there's just no reason to change up the years. And as has been established on this podcast before, I know nothing about war. But I do know that the Franco-Prussian War mm-hmm. was in 1870. And the, the siege of Paris started, I think, in, like, September of 1870. Yeah, so it makes zero sense why, why they would in, yeah. intentionally put it in the year when they would and not mention and anything And changing about the it. year has no effect whatsoever on yeah, the film. That's None. strange. It's an odd choice. So they're putting on, so we, we morph and it's color now. We're in 1870. The, the, it shows the theater get beautiful again. And, um, and we get the overture. Mm-hmm. Overture is, I, I mean, it's a good, it's a lovely piece of music. Yeah. I really do it's like really the It's really powerful. Overture. I mean, just the, the big organ sound and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see a view, we see the poster that they're putting on. Is it Hannibal? Yeah, it's not a real opera. Yeah. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote that. Um, and starring Carlotta. Carlotta. Mm-hmm. Played by Minnie Driver. Played by Minnie Driver. She didn't voice the role, though. I know. And, and that's another weird choice. I, I will say, Minnie Driver is one of my favorite actors in I, this movie. Uh-huh. I mean, she's campy. She's over the top. Yeah. Um, she does the diva yeah. very, very well. Yeah. But the entire role is singing. So if they didn't feel that she had the voice... Yeah, to, why was she... I mean, why? Yeah, I don't... Especially since every everybody else in the movie is doing their own vocals. And they're not that great. <laughs> no. So, I mean, I guess I it, mean, ha- it has Carlotta to be... I mean, you need Carlotta to be impressive. Right. Right. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't get it. Um, What's funny about that and about, like, the campiness of that is that um, in, in like, some of the first drafts, like, the whole musical was kind of that, uh, was kind of that campy, silly mood that Carlotta has. I believe it. Um, and they had to pull it back. Oh, and just like, wait, this isn't supposed to be, this is supposed to be melodrama. This is not supposed to be. So Cats is when he got to really let loose. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, um, I don't know if you even stuck around for the end credits, but there's a, a pop song at yes, the end. That's that Mini is, Driver. That is sung by Mini Driver. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like amazing. Yeah. It's funny. But she's it's, a fine singer. It's funny to intentionally cast someone who is a singer. Yeah, but not, not let her sing. Right, but then have her use her real voice. But in you the, can do this part. In the single. <laughs> and and look, to be fair, I don't think that Minnie Driver could have sung the, the parts no. that Carlotta sings. I mean, it's... The thing about Andrew Lloyd Webber, his, his musicals and the roles that he writes, they're very challenging. Mm-hmm. Extremely challenging. Right. I mean, it's hard to even just, like hum along or sing it to yourself i mean they're difficult parts yeah um i don't know maybe she she did do some good acting and they also needed they needed and at this time she was they needed a bigger name in the movie yeah that's what i was about to say like maybe mini driver was like a really big uh box office pull yeah i mean at at the the time. time at the time she was like a pretty big star yeah 
I like her. I do like her too. Um, so Carlotta is established as a major diva, mm-hmm. and uh, immediately we meet Monsieur Lefebvre. 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 Mm-hmm. He comes in, announces he's retiring. It's implied he's retiring because she's such a diva, and her demands are exhausting him. Right. And we have these new owners, Furman and Andre. Yeah, Furman. Furman and, and Andre. <laughs> We're doing French accents oh my again. Gosh. Just trying to show we're wearing, me up. We're wearing heels again. <laughs> and they are scrap metal junkers. So they are, I mean, yeah, they're implied to be rich, but have their new money, but not have any knowledge of the theater. And their benefactor is Raoul the Vicomte. Right. The new patron is Raoul. So Christine immediately recognizes him. Mm-hmm. She tells um, Meg, we were something Something like childhood sweethearts. She whispers to... (laughs) This drives me nuts. She whispers almost every single line in this movie. (laughs) All of them. Um, (laughs) She talks about, he called me Little Lottie. (laughs) It's like, number one, why? Because your name is Christine. (laughs) Actually, I did do... I did look that up because it was just driving me nuts. And I think I figured it out. So, Little Lottie is it was a game like a a word game like a mind teaser kind of thing okay have you ever heard of the game green glass bottle no okay well i'm not gonna make you figure it out because (laughs) it'll take too long (laughs) but basically little lottie works the same way so um later on the lyrics of little lottie go um Little Lottie thought am i fonder of dolls or of goblins or of shoes Mm mm-hmm they don't answer it because the two of them know the answer, but the answer would be uh, dolls. And it's dolls because there's that double L. So, okay. like, little has the double T, and Lottie also has the double T. Any any word that has the double letters so, would be the correct answer. So the point of the game is for people to figure out what the point of the game is? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And that's how green glass bottle works. So green glass bottle is like what fits inside a green glass bottle. And oh. you can say beer does, but wine does not. Okay. And then, yeah, you try and figure out why not. Have you ever played this game? Um, it's not really similar, but I want to tell you about it because it's a really fun party game. Once we're, <laughs> once we're allowed to have parties again. Okay. Um, so basically you send, someone, you send someone out of the room. You tell them, we're going to make up a story and... Um, when you come back, we're gonna and you're gonna have to guess what it is. Um, the whole story, right? But what you do was when you send them out of the room, you explain to everyone else in the room that if they're basically it's if their question ends in a vowel, you say yes. If their question ends in a consonant, you say no. Uh, okay. So basically, they. Yeah. So basically, the person that comes back in writes their own story, <laughs> based on the. What and that's really and, the fun part. Yeah, is, is them figuring out that. Or the story that they come. The up story with. that they come up come up with, and then realize that that you know. I'm not good at these games, and I would absolutely hate to be the person sent out of the room, but I do want to do that as long as I get to stay in on it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, so so Carlotta throws a fit once once she finds out about these new owners or something, right? Like I don't I don't it's not clear what she's throwing a fit about. 
I mean, I think Carlotta, she refuses to sing because initially they're focusing too much on the dancers and not on her. Mm -hmm. In the stage musical, it's more like, well, I mean, we do get there in the movie, but she's upset because so much has, like, so many random accidents. She's she's fed up. She's fed up with the opera ghost. Yeah, pretty much. And that's when they, this is when they kind of... Do they talk about it yet? No. Not yet. Okay. So Carlotta is storming off and um here's something kind of kind of funny. Um she's storming off and the man the new managers ask Lefebvre, uh, what do we do? And he says, Grovel, Grovel. That's mm-hmm. the name of a song in Joseph and the Amazing yes. Technicolor <laughs> Dream Code. Like there's a lot of little um subtle or not so subtle nods to other Andrew Lloyd Webber productions and the film. He's not, he's not a very subtle person. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in that scene, uh, she agrees to perform, and then we see her use the throat spray, yeah, alluding to what's going to happen later. And then she does a very, very strong "Think of Me." Right. Um, that's the big number. But and, the Phantom likes his women demure. <laughs> right. And the background scenery drops yeah, on her. The backdrop falls on her. And that's when she's like... She quits. She's like, It's not happening, I'm out. Yeah. And that's when um, Madame Giri finds the note, right? No, that's when Madame Giri... They, basically, they all panic, and they're like, what are we going to do? And Madame Giri says, uh, Christine can sing it. Oh, yeah. Because she's in on it. <laughs> kind, kind of, Yeah. Very much more so in the movie than she is on stage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she, she, yeah, she says Christine can do it. They make her out to be it. in the first, most in the first uh, part of the movie. They make her out to be much more sinister, I think, than she was intended to be. They do. They absolutely do. Mm-hmm. Um, they so Christine. They get Christine to sing it, mm-hmm. and against all odds. The ballet dancer chorus girl blows them away. And and this is when I'm just like, this is a bad movie. Because, look, Emmy Rossum, she's a fine singer. Right. She she has a never, lovely voice. You would voice. never hear Emmy Rossum sing that after... after Carlotta and be like, oh, let's go with her. Right. Never. <laughs> I, I mean, for, for as demanding as Carlotta is, her voice is good. Right. Yeah. But so, that's the whole thing, is that is that... The Phantom is like offended by her by Carlotta's. He hates Carlotta and the fact that she's actually good. I think that's I I like that interpretation because the whole time I'm just wondering like why does he hate her so much? I mean, yeah, she's a bit much, but she's very talented. He wants he likes his women to be demure children. <laughs> 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 with light lilting voices. Oh, we, I also want to note um before she's before Christine starts singing, um they ask her, "Well, who is your teacher?" Right. And she says, "I don't know his name, sir, right. or something." And they're all just fine with that. They're, they're like, like, "Okay, okay well, okay. go ahead." Yeah, mystery like, teacher. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> it's very very strange. Um oh, and also another note. I have too many notes. But another note about Christine's performance, that dress that she wears, and she's got the starburst Mm -hmm. in her hair. So that was a replica of a dress worn by Empress Elizabeth of Austria in her most famous portrait. And apparently Andrew Lloyd Webber is a big art collector 
from pieces of that that period in time. So it like definitely came from Android Weber. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, it's odd though because it's not the dress that Carlotta was wearing. No. As part of Hannibal. Right. So I don't. Again, just another weird but choice. But they wouldn't have had like a, a costume specifically for Christine, yeah, like who wasn't supposed to sing at right, all. Right. Yeah. <sighs> okay, Plot so holes. they so they find this note from the Phantom with his like skull seal on it, and that he wants his his money. Do they call it his rent or something for using his, his theater, salary? His salary, and he wants um, the his box five. Has to be, to be empty. Left empty. Yeah, and they don't do any of that. Um, and when she is singing, Raoul is like, "Oh, that's Christine." Yeah, at the at the big production at the big show uh-huh. later that night. Right. He finally gets it. And I wrote. I wrote. She's fine. <laughs> she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. No, she's a good singer. It's, she's just not the best singer. Right. Um, and and the, it, again, it's a very challenging role. Right. And the thing about Christine is that it's supposed to be, and I feel like she kind of is a good choice in the sense that it's supposed to be this sort of uh, softer, lilting voice like Sarah Brightman, where it's not necessarily well, so in, powerful, in the, but it's beautiful and light. In and, the one that I watched. And twinkling. Or the one that I, I most connect with, which is the, like I said earlier, the 25th anniversary performance. It's um, Sarah Borges, and she starts off really soft, like mm-hmm. very timid, because she's shy. She wasn't expecting this to happen. But then by the time the song is over, she sounds equally as good as Carlotta did. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, that I don't know. I just think that makes a lot more sense. For sure, yeah. Emmy Rossum sounds like a seventeen-year-old the yeah. entire time. There are times when she gets a little bit more powerful. I'm like, oh, there she goes. Yeah, you it's know? when she's like in the hallways and there's really good acoustics and she's singing with another person. Right. Um, so she is a hit. At she's this a huge hit. Everyone loves her. Everyone loves her. Um, so she goes down to to light a candle. At her little prayer spot, which I guess is where he talks to her. One of the many places. One of the places that he talks to her. But Meg finds her there. Um, There's sort of this ominous shot of her, like, from the corner where you know that he's there. Like, it's kind of from from his perspective. Like, you know there's someone lurking there. There's someone watching. And then Meg comes in and is like, who the fuck is your teacher? (laughs) And And she whispers... A voice from above. Right. And and then she goes into, my dad told me before he died that there would be an angel of music. Right. And he found me. Right. And now he's my teacher. And Meg is like, mm, no, girl. Right. No. Like, that's not real. Like, let's... <laughs> Let's take a walk. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's go meet some. You let's... crazy? He's not your angel music. Yeah, let's go talk. Father, let's teacher. go talk to your public. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then we um. Then we see there's this shot of the ominous drinking man. This stagehand. Yes. Uh, bu- bouquet or maybe yeah, it's Joseph, bouquet, but Joseph, I think it's bouquet. It's bouquet. It's Joseph bouquet. Who they never. I don't know if they ever say. say yeah, because he's not in on it, and yeah. they they do that ominous. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why are you focusing on the stagehand? 
he's I mean he's not like the most lovable guy but he's not in on it at he all. He just knows about he he's the one who like knows about the fan as far like believes He knows about the the story but I don't think he believes in it. Right. I don't think he's supposed to anyway. All I know is that he they show a very menacing look on his face that I think is supposed to imply, like, maybe it's him. Oh, yeah. And it's uh, it's called Phantom of the Opera. It's not him. It's not Stagehand of the Opera. <laughs> uh, so so she, she goes back to her, 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 dressing, her room, dressing room. Finds the red rose. And Madame Jury is there and says, the Phantom was pleased with you. And I don't know if she calls him the, the Phantom. He said, she says, he was pleased with you. <laughs> yeah. And, and just to backtrack a minute... Um, she established earlier that Christina's like a daughter to her. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, she's just been totally fine with the fact that a ghost-like man, I mean, she knows she it's knows a grown who, she man. She knows who it is. It's a grown yeah. man, uh, has been coming to Christine and grooming. Since she was a it's kid. Just, yeah. It's I mean, she's just, still a kid, but like, since she was a child. It's very nonsensical. Yeah. Um, so she says, she tells Christine that he was pleased with her. and then, Yeah, and then the Vicomte comes in and they do the little Lottie thing. Raoul. <sighs> and then he, he wants her to go to dinner and she says, no, Raoul. My the, teacher is very... The angel of music is very strict. That's right. <laughs> the angel, that was a good I impression. Mean, <laughs> so many issues, though. Like, first off, she's listening to the Phantom Angel and mm-hmm. that's nuts. Second of all, Raul will not listen to her when she says, no, I'm not going to dinner with these. Like, shut up, little Lottie. I'm getting the horses. <laughs> and then so he right lo- after. He, and then, uh, so he leaves and the phantom locks, locks the her door, in. And Madame Giry watches him lock the door and she's fine with it. Yeah. No, no issues there. Yeah. Again, bad parenting all around. So somehow he locks, the, the phantom locks the door from the outside and like, I don't know, get, manages to get back. I know, he clears out really fast. The theater clears out really fast. He but locks he, the door and then he gets back. Yeah. And he somehow gets back to the double-sided mirror. Oh my, yeah, the two-way mirror, that's a secret passageway entrance. It's a two-way mirror. Okay, so that's super so creepy. creepy. Yes. So he, which, By the way, they don't do that. I mean, they they show you something similar on stage, but it is it's again like it's not understood exactly how the Phantom is doing everything. Mm-hmm. So you don't watch him or her walk through a secret passageway that's a mirror. Right. You you see his reflection, and you see hers, but it you know they do a set change, right. so you don't know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. So he leads her down this um, secret passageway that is beautifully lit with torches and all this stuff, which, like I was saying, we don't know if it's just, like, part of this fantasy that she that he's created for her. You it's know? apparently a very long journey because at some point there's a horse involved. <laughs> Where right. did the horse come from? And it doesn't, like, later on they show when, like, the mob is chasing them, they show all of these, like, you know, flights Very and long flights of stairs that they don't really show in this. They just kind of like walk down the hallway and then they're at the river. I will say the the horse is probably a callback to the book. The the you know the musical is based upon a a novel right. that was serialized um, early 1900s when it came out, mm-hmm. or maybe late. It doesn't matter. Um, and in the book, he does have a horse named Caesar. 
Uh-huh. So that's probably why the horse is there, but they're underground. Yeah. So a horse has no business being there in this movie. And I th- there was supposed to be a horse in the stage show. Oh, was there? There were all of these, like, animatronic things that they were trying to do. They wanted to have a horse. They wanted to have, like, electric rats. <laughs> um, they wanted to have live doves. It's, I mean, as we see later in this movie, live animals on stage never work. <laughs> they never work. Um, Which I guess is why cats was all humans. <laughs> um, so he's. They sing Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, and the song. Look, as, I like the song. Yeah. I do. Um, the first time I heard it, I thought this is too eighties. It's grown on me. Yeah. Um, I still think it stands out kind of oddly in the film. Because none of the rest of the songs really have that, that sort of, like, that, ed- that edge to them. No, they don't at all. Um, oh, did I tell you? So in, when I was saying that they did a single of this song, they had they had um, this uh, singer um, that was a glam rocker. His name was Steve Harley. Um, he did the single with her. Um, and they had kind of promised him the role and hmm. then realized that he wasn't a very good actor. Mm. And they replaced him with um, Michael Crawford, who ended up being Being more... a very good singer. Uh-huh. What do you know? And also kind of a diva. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they take it to... They're in the lair. They come to the underground river. Okay, so I also have a... The a, lake. The, yeah. I have a question about this. So okay. What are we supposed to assume here? Are we supposed to assume that he has built all of this underground layer underneath the opera house? Was it already there? So like, it's what? basically like catacombs. Okay. And I, I will say for, you know, just practical reasons, probably, the layer I mean, is not that elaborate on stage. Right. I mean, that it just, there's a very, you know what else Joel Schumacher directed? Um, like Batman and Robin. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He, yeah, he, I mean, if you, if you remember those Batman movies at all, the one where George Clooney has nipples. Right. And like, the one, they're and very... The one with Iceman? Mm-hmm, where, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of style involved. I think I read somewhere that he, early, early, early in his career, he was actually a window dresser. Um... I mm-hmm. assume in New York. I, I don't. I didn't read a lot into it, but he has a certain had a certain eye for uh, set, right? Sets, set decoration, right? Um, like it or not, he has a specific he, vision. He has a he has a style. Yes, and it's gothic. Yeah. Um, which I guess you know. I mean, I guess this is where those twenty thousand francs a month. <laughs> I guess this is where it goes. Who's buying all this stuff for him? I don't know how how he gets a pearl shape or an oyster shaped bed. Yeah, how I don't know. Yeah, how he gets any of it down there? How he constructs this? I don't. I mean, there are actual catacombs in Paris. Yeah, they don't look like that. The, I mean, but I don't think they don't. <laughs> they don't have pillars that are the shape of like giant men. No, there's not. You know, flights and flights of spiral staircases. Yeah. yeah. The whole, it's just, it's over the top in a bad way. And that's, and that's the thing is that like, what are you, in the stage musical, 
you're able to sort of get past those things. Well, first of all, because you don't see any see any of it. You don't see any of it. And I don't know. I'm just willing to, like, engage in that disbelief right. a little bit more. And or it's, it's, not more believable, it's more believable that, they're, that, that she is in a fantasy or something when you're not seeing the physical things in front of you. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, think, I think you have a good point. Uh, like, a lot of it is she is, to a certain extent, under this spell yeah. for lack of a better word. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they get down there and then she sees this mannequin that well, looks exactly like her. Before that, she sees like his like model like diorama of the theater. Oh yeah, like, he's been building a lot of dioramas. <laughs> yeah, he loves a diorama. And then she sees the the mannequin that looks exactly like her wearing a wedding dress and, and then she, she faints. faints. Fun fact, that's actually just Emmy Rossum wearing a lot of waxy makeup. Right. Well, yeah. In You don't... It's kind of... So in the stage production, you know that it's a mannequin because you can't have a second of the actor. You know, you can't have... Right. You know it's like... I, I don't actually... In the version I watched, they, there is no mannequin. She just faints and it's a little... I mean, it is a little weird, um, but again, you you just you don't question it. You just you're on for the ride. Right. Uh, the clip that I saw, like you see, you see the mannequin. In this, I was like, did she just like look in the mirror and see herself in a wedding dress? Like, I, you didn't. They I didn't, didn't. I didn't know again, that that's what was happening until the end when they showed. Again, it just looks like mistakes. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that it was a mannequin until it shows the mannequin at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a weird part. Yeah, she passes out and then he like lays her to bed in the oyster uh-huh. oyster bed um, and the musical he lays her down like in the boat or in so the stage production. before she faints okay, so this is something that I, so I watched this documentary last night about like the making of the stage show and they talked a lot with the choreographer who did, you know, not just, I mean it's not just like dance moves or whatever. It's like she choreographed like the, the the stage movements, you know, throughout the show. And she was talking about during the I think it's um, during maybe during music of the night or something. She, he is supposed to be like hanging from this grate at the back of the stage, and she like comes up to him, and like grazes against him or something. Why is he hanging from a grate? He's just, like, holding on to, I don't know, to be He's sexy. He's just, like, yeah, He's, just, like, kind of pinned against the wall. Right, and she's supposed to come up and graze against him. And the choreographer said, she was like, I always thought of this as that he got an erection. <laughs> <laughs> and, come on. And she come has... On. <laughs> And she's like, this is the erotic heart of the story. And this is like in the behind the scenes, yes. like little documentary, whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there, there was this whole part about like the erotic heart of the show. <laughs> gross. I mean, I get, I get it. There is supposed to be a, there's obviously a sexual element. Yeah. But like, we don't have to talk about the things. <laughs> and then she's like, and of course she, you know. That's, she's never felt something. She's never felt one before. Oh, so my God. She, so she is <laughs> taken aback, and, like, that's, like, part of the reason so that she faints. So they definitely wrote it for a child. <laughs> a minor. I don't want to say a child because I'm grossing myself out, but, right. like, they, they intended this to be a very young woman. Right. Girl. Yeah. Woman. So. In between. 
Not yet, not yet a woman. Gross. <laughs> What's that Britney Spears song? Um, not a girl, not yet a woman. Yep, that's who they wrote it for. Mm-hmm, they wrote it for Britney Spears. <laughs> um, so he he puts her to bed. Before she wakes up, we have this shot of uh, Joseph Bouquet, kind of uh, telling scary stories about the Phantom. Yeah, and the the character he's describing has nothing to do with. Gerard Butler. And this is actually, this is like basically uh, basically a description that comes straight from the novel mm-hmm. about his like sunken eyes and he has barely has a nose and like just like this grotesque description of what the Phantom looks like. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures from <clears throat> the first silent film, uh, mm-hmm. the first film version of Phantom of the Opera. It was a silent film from, I think, 25. If you look it up, you'll recognize it. And he does actually have... You know, those really sunken eyes. Um, I mean, he does look more like a monster. And right. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think his his nose is mostly just holes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Christine wakes up, um, and they're kind of having a tender moment, and then she takes his mask off. And he loses his shit. Flips out. And he says, like, now you can never be free. Like he, I mean, he says some really nasty things. He calls her, like, a lying Delilah and mm-hmm. um, something Pandora. I mean, he just, the his reaction in this movie makes zero sense because the way he actually looks is not that bad. Right. It's just, it's not. And especially, I know they don't go into this in the movie, but especially if we're in a time where um, the country is at war, you have to assume there's a lot of men who are very injured. And I'm sure you've seen movies where guys have, I'm kind of thinking of, I think it's the Nick, actually, that I'm thinking of right now. And the issue there was syphilis. But they're, you know, they, they used to have these masks that were skin-toned or flesh-toned. Uh-huh. And they were obviously masks, but I don't think that deformity was that big of a shock. Right, especially something that looks more like a chemical burn than... Yeah, in this a, case, it's, yeah, absolutely. Than a deformity. Like... In the in the, even in the stage show, they make it look the makeup looks more like a deformity than like a burn or something. Yeah, which is and what the, this and the twenty fifth like. production anniversary production, it's definitely. Um, I mean, there's like part of his skull that's missing, and, yeah. and they actually um, like they his, put so much makeup on his lips that you can actually hear the change um, in in the actor's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still sounds beautiful. His name is Ramin uh, Karamloo, by the way. And actually, the picture that we see of Christine's father, mm-hmm. that's Ramin Karamloo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, he's, oh my gosh, he's my favorite phantom. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, after he flips out, we, we, we kind of jump to this kind of pointless song with Fermin and Andre, the new managers of the of the of the opera house at the beginning and i was like why are we doing this and then it's revealed throughout the song throughout the song that that everyone has gotten these notes from the phantom yeah basically about christine about how she has to that he's basically holding her hostage 
right? And she has to... I don't think so. No, because at this point, Christina's safe. He he realizes that people are going to be looking for you. I have to take you back. Okay. Um, after she wakes up. And then we do go into notes. And I think, first off, the managers basically just get notes demanding, hey, where's my salary? You also, Christine leave. has to be in the show. Christine has to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Raul gets one saying, you need to leave Christine alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, back off. And then Carlotta gets one saying, Christine will be the star. Yeah. And that's when she storms in demanding. And they're all trying to figure out who wrote this note. Right. Um and that's when Madame Jiri and Meg come in and they say she's Christine safe. is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's safe. Um, by the way, did you notice that Meg, poor Meg, she wears the exact same outfit almost throughout yes. the entire movie. Yes. And it's like just her corset and like her shift. Yeah, and like her little her little slip. Yeah, like in Masquerade, she gets to wear a real dress, and then um, at the very end, she's wearing pants, mm-hmm. because for some reason, she's leading the charge yeah, to like, find the pants. For some reason, she's, like, with the police. <laughs> yeah. Um, poor Meg. Poor Meg. Um, but yeah, so the, the whole point of that scene, though, is that the Phantom is demanding in Il Muto that uh, Christina's going to play the... The page boy. Oh, no, no, no Christina's going to be the countess and... Carlotta Carlotta's has to be the page boy yeah. and the page boy has no lines. Right. No dialogue, no singing. And he thinks that's a perfect role for Carlotta. And um, in an attempt to uh, get yeah. back on Carlotta's good side... Carlotta's they, obviously pissed. Right. The, the um, Furman and Andre are like... We're going to ignore this. You're still the countess. And then we get Prima Donna. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy Prima Donna um, as a song. I, again, maybe this is a moment where the camp is just working too well. But did you notice? <laughs> did you notice that she makes one of the managers? I can't remember if it's Andre or Ferman, but. She makes one of them drink wine out of her shoe <laughs> that she's then wearing like two minutes later. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, she makes one of them drink wine out of her shoe. And it's like, <laughs> that's not good for either of you because you have to put that shoe on. Right, you're going to have a, a squishy shoe. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just over the top. But I guess we're really supposed to hate Carlotta right. at this and point. They are. And they are really pumping her up, telling her how amazing she is. I mean, they're helping her get dressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we get to the opera, and before it begins, we see the phantom switch out the throat spray. Yeah. I keep calling it the throat juice in my, notes, in my notes. <laughs> the, the throat juice. Uh-huh. Um, um, and then he is... he. I don't know how, how he does it, if, if he's just, like, yelling out from, from his hole in the back of the theater, but he's like, you didn't keep... Box five, yeah. um, empty for me. In this one, he's there's like um I don't know what you would call it, but you actually do see him um, up above the yeah. rafters. He's got a little trap door. He's got a little trap door. Yeah, he gets mad. Um, and during all of the chaos, Carlotta, uh, Christine says something. I mean, she's not trying to speak to the crowd. She just says something. And Carlotta tells her to shut up, you little toad. Yeah. And the phantom hears it and says, perhaps it'll be you that's the toad. Right. 
And then immediately after, she uses her throat juice, and he's poisoned it or something, mm-hmm. and she loses her voice. And during this time, because we've we've had this yelled out message from the Phantom, now Bouquet is searching for him. Right. Bouquet is like looking around for the Phantom now because he doesn't want anything else to go wrong or whatever because he's the stagehand. Yes, and and you see them get into a confrontation. I get of into a sorts. tussle, and he starts to strangle. I mean, I, there's just a noose hanging out. Well, he back. so one of his <laughs> his weapon of choice is the lasso. Right. It's another callback to the book, but they do bring it up a lot in this movie. He he enjoys strangling people. Right. Um, and yeah, he gets the, the lasso around the dude's neck cause he didn't keep his hand at the level of his eyes and his lifeless body drops during the ballet. Right. Which I was kind of shocked by cause there hadn't been any murders yet. Right. Yeah. No, and I mean, it's movie. shocking on stage too. It's, yeah. um, it, it is, I, I wrote, Oh it, it's shit. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like. It's not so much in this movie, because, again, I think they make him... They give away too much of the Phantom, yeah. but it, it is supposed to be scary. Yeah. And this is the first time, I think, that Christine is truly scared of the Phantom. The angel music father teacher yeah. ghost guy. Right. Yeah. So she and, she and Raul run to the roof. For some reason. They're like, we've got to get out of here. Let's It'll be go to the safe roof. safe on the roof where no one can escape. Uh-huh. And they sing, of course, beautifully. They sing all... I mean, it's just a beautiful song. He sings it beautifully. She sings it fine. <laughs> but well, all first I ask though, of she has to, great. like, convince him once again that the ghost or that the phantom is real. I mean, he's still not believing her. And then she does a song... That I think is only in the movie called Raul, I've Seen Him. Oh, okay. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, then they go into All I Ask of You, and um, they fall in love, and they but, get engaged. But, oops, the Phantom's been watching the whole time. Yeah, he's very fast. Yeah, he he's is. He's very fast. Th- he can, uh, he knows all of the little hidey holes. <laughs> he's eavesdropping, and he's very, very upset. And, and then we says, go into his, like, All I Ask of You reprisal. Yeah. And he says, you will curse the day you did not do all that the Phantom asked of you. Yeah, he's like the ultimate nice guy that expects, <laughs> exactly. like, I was nice to you, right. you owe me your sex. Like, nice guys finish last, even <laughs> when they murder people. So this is another scene that really just, it it takes me out of it. I hate, there's just so many weird careless errors in this movie for something that was such a high production budget, mm-hmm. very, very well-known, successful director. Mm-hmm. Two things. Uh, number one, as they're panning out and the the Phantom is standing on the corner of the roof, like behind a gargoyle or something, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, singing that line. First of all, you can see his footsteps in the snow and nobody else's. Mm, Second of all, just out there. and this is a much more glaring mistake, um, I guess they didn't feel like his cape blowing in the wind wasn't big enough so they digitally imposed a second cape but if you really look at it it's extremely obvious that there are two capes one of them is not real and they're blowing in different directions (laughs) it's just it's it just there's no excuse for that with a production yeah like this right so after this it's kind of it's 
it's clear that we've that we have skipped ahead in time a little bit. It's the beginning of the next season. Right. So it's three months later yeah. in the in the movie. It's six months later in the show. But I don't I don't understand the time changes. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Um, but it's three months later, and we get to masquerade. Masquerade. It's the party it's to celebrate the new season at the opera. Yeah. Um, Raul and Christine are talking about their secret engagement. There's the fan dance. I this this scene is a real bummer for me. Did you know that in the stage show, they knew that they wanted this scene to seem huge, as far as like there being like. Lots of people at the party, but they couldn't, they didn't need that many extras or ensemble people for the rest of the show. So they have these big opera stairs that they installed mannequins hmm. on. That's funny because another mistake that I, I wasn't going to mention earlier um, in the movie is when Christine is doing her debut performance of Think of Me. Mm-hmm. If you look really closely, you can tell that the the audience members in the very back are just mannequins with like blankets draped over their legless laps. <laughs> that I mean, that's that is something they do in movies a lot, but you're not supposed to see you're it. You're not supposed to notice it. Um, yeah, so they had mannequins lining the stairs, and the ensemble was like basically the mannequins were on the outside of the stairs, and the ensemble right. was in, in between them. And they had the ensemble, like, interact with them or, like, whisper in their ear to, like, make it seem like they were interacting with, like, anyway. Um, No, I didn't know that. Did you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, let me just say, the thing I hate most about this scene is that everything is in black and white, like all of the costumes are. Mm -hmm. Even though the lyrics talk about all of the... All the colors. All the colors. Mm -hmm. um, On stage, they... They all do wear different colors, yeah. and it's really pretty. The choreography is not my favorite. I don't like it. It It's not that dissimilar from what they do in this scene, but I especially hate the choreography in the movie. Like, there's this weird, like, pantomiming, like, voguing mm-hmm. dancer guy, and as they're panning up the <laughs> stairs, they I, I did not notice this. I had to read about it, but... They do another Andrew Lloyd Webber reference where right when you get to the top, I guess the dancers are posed in this way that looks exactly like Kat's promotional material. Oh. I I didn't recognize it myself, but if you think about it, leave it to you, Andrew Lloyd Webber to only reference other Andrew Lloyd. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The main story that's happening in this scene is that they're gonna have a secret engagement. Mm-hmm. They don't explain why. They just say, you'll understand later. And no one does, but they're having a secret engagement. Yeah, they don't, it's not clear why it's secret. It doesn't. Bec- I assume it's because she doesn't want people to think that she's getting all these parts because she's engaged. She's a patron. Except that's what they've been saying the whole time. Right. Like, she's sleeping with him, so now she's famous. Right. So I don't, I don't know what the issue is. I think it's probably... Which is... Another sort of reference to Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, Sarah Brightman. I mean, that's probably what it is. Yeah. That's probably it. I I think the best we can read into this is that, um, I don't know, she doesn't want to upset her angel music father teacher. Right, exactly. But she has. Right. He shows up. They think they're safe. They are not. He's in a new costume. Yes, he's in... Which is... It's... It's a little more understated than the stage version. 
Yeah, it is. In the stage version, he's got like a big, like an actual like skull mask. Like a yeah, full it looks sp- pretty cool. It does, and like a big like pirate hat, like a big Captain Hook hat. Yeah. Um, he which, wears a hat most of the time in the musical too. Yeah, and stage it, musical. I thought that the stage version looked really cool. This is just. They're just really leaning into the sexy vibe here, which, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I appreciate, but it doesn't really, I don't know, it's not scary. It's not. Um, and, and he's got, for the first time, under this mask, this new mask, he has that bla- black eye makeup on. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's just, you know, whatever. Why? Why? Just why. Yeah. Um, there's a really long, extended stare between him and Christine. After after he calls out Carlotta, of course, he has to call out Carlotta and establish I still hate you. Right. He calls um, Piangi too fat to play Don Juan in mm-hmm. his opera. We should we should establish the reason he showed up is because he wants them to perform his opera. Don Juan triumphant. Right. Triumphant. <laughs> and uh, basically... Yet another episode of French accents. <laughs> and he he has this really long, extended, like, sensual stare with Christine. And she just looks like a deer in headlights. I don't know if you noticed this, but every time that he's singing, her mouth is hanging open. Oh. Like, to the point where I was wondering, like, was that a direction note that she received? Like, I- I'm not or usually... Or is she just a mouth breather? I'm not usually this kind of person, <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, an old lady, like... Shut your mouth. You're going to catch flies. (laughs) It's just... Ugh. I don't know. Maybe it's the age difference. It just grosses me out too much. So I'm nitpicky about it. Um, But yeah, he he rips the engagement ring off Off of of her her neck. neck. Yeah. yeah, Secret engagement. So she's wearing it as a necklace, just like Carrie Bradshaw. Mm -hmm. And... um, Oh, Raul, as soon as he shows up, this moment I thought was really funny. Raul just, like, pieces out immediately. And, I mean, he's chasing after uh, the Phantom. Yeah, once he escapes in his his fireball, Raul chases after him. Oh, it's before that. It's, like, literally the moment he shows up, Raul, like... Sort of, he doesn't say anything, but he looks at Christine and he's like, "Okay, I'll be, I'll be back," uh-huh. and he just leaves her there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't know where he, I, maybe he's getting his sword or he's going to try yeah. and attack from behind or something. Well, they don't explain it. They don't explain it. And okay, hon, you've got this for now. You're, you're good. You good? You good? You good? I gotta okay, go. I'm, I'm gonna gotta go, go get a drink. <laughs> and, um, yeah, when he does finally start to gain on the Phantom, that's when he drops through right. the floor. And we get yet another callback to the book. Uh, in the book, the mirror room that he falls into. I think in the book, the Phantom was much more murderous. Um, mm-hmm. He had a lot of creative ways of killing people. Right. Um, one of the ways that he would deal with his victims he would torture some of his victims. He would try and drive them insane by trapping them in this room of mirrors. But uh, Madame Giry once again pops up to save the day or to save Raoul. um, And she leads him out of the room. And that's when Raoul is like, you have got to tell me what's going on. Because clearly, clearly, you know, like you're showing up at all these weird moments. and Something's up. Also, he has managed to, build this room right beneath the main staircase of the opera house without anybody knowing like constructing i don't 
20,000 francs a month. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got a big budget. Is he a contractor now? <laughs> he's a genius. <laughs> he's a, she does say later on, he's an architect. He's uh, a genius. Yeah. He has no education whatsoever. We don't even know if he can read, but he is a genius. So this is so when she starts explaining the story, this is a little bit offensive as far as like finding him in like a band of gypsies. That is not in the stage musical yeah. dubs. Um I mean the story is, but in the musical What um, is the more PC to would, would be like the Romani people is that what we call that is typically what people are talking about in terms of the word gypsy yeah. but in this case I don't I don't know what group of people she's referring to she's just talking about like a traveling carnival show right but she calls them gypsies yeah um and there was this exhibit that was the devil's child yeah. And then it's pretty brutal. They're just like beating him up and keeping him in a cage. Mm-hmm. And, um, in with his like canvas sack mask. Yeah. Which I think he wants to wear. Like he just wants to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, Madame Giry, she's very young at the time. Yeah. For she's some also, reason, she's, she's on a school children, she's on a school trip or something. Yeah. And to she, the carnival. she takes a lot of pity on him. So after the exhibit's over, she goes back and then she sees him murder his handler. Yeah, yeah. And she decides to help him out. And so she takes him to this like uh, secret entrance. It's, it's almost like a sewer grate or like a basement where window. she lets, where she lets him in is is Christine's little prayer spot, basically. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Um, Raul says, well, clearly genius has turned to madness, so yeah. we, we got to do something about this. Right. So then um, Christine is basically on, like, not house arrest, but Raul is guarding her room. He's just sleeping outside to make sure that she's safe. Right, but he's fallen asleep. She does not care. Right, she's fallen. She just walks right past him. He's fallen asleep, and she's and she. She's like, now is a good time for me to go out on my own. Like I need to go. I know that this murder. I need to steal a black dress from costume. Yeah. And go visit my dad. (laughs) Yeah. So she gets the 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 coach to to get her a carriage, Um, and she does say, "I'm going to the cemetery." But then, then she, runs she hops in. I don't know. She says she tells the man she wants the carriage. I don't well, yeah, she goes to steals a dress, but it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, and then, but then the phantom knocks, knocks the man the out, guy out and yeah. takes his place. She gets in and and he asks, "Where are we going?" And she says, "To my father's grave." Mm-hmm. And it's like, number one, not everyone knows where your father is buried. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's obviously the phantom, but she just goes with it. Whatever. <sighs> And then they get to the cemetery, and y- yet again, another movie mistake. Uh, you you actually can tell that she's walking in circles, because you see the same headstones <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's singing... Um, wishing, wishing You Were, you were somehow, somehow Here Again. Yeah, and it, I like this song. I don't I really love like, this performance, but I, really, I like the song. I really like the song, too. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's a good song. Um, she, oh, yeah, you sent me the stage version of it, and she's so, so good. So good. But so she finally finds her dad's like massive like mausoleum style grave. Right. And why the, isn't she super rich if her dad has this fucking mausoleum? He, he was a very famous violinist. Okay. I don't I don't know why. 
but the doors start to creak open and she mm-hmm. hears the phantom and yet again she's like is it my dad i don't know what, it's how, like, girl it's not how your dad stupid are you it's not your dad obviously and also it's his voice you've heard his voice numerous times lots of times it's she, a distinctly bad voice like, oh it's my daddy <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Raul shows up and he's like, Christine, I don't know what you're thinking, but it's not your dad. It's not him, okay? So he, so Raul and uh, the Phantom have a sword fight. Yeah, this none of this happens. I mean, the cemetery happens, but the sword fight does not happen. This on, is where this I wrote, musical. I didn't know Patrick Wilson was ever this hot. Oh, you know what? He does all of his own stunts in this movie. Ooh. So good for him. He does have some shirtless pictures online. I didn't search for He's them. He's a handsome guy. <laughs> he is. I'm just saying. I think there was a glow up. I did do an image search, and the shirtless ones, they just popped up. <laughs> um, the thing Mom, I, I don't know how those got on there. <laughs> The thing that I hate most about this scene is when he has got the phantom, like he's about to kill him. And Christine's like, no. Not like this. Not like that. Well, then like what? How? How do you want this to happen, Christine? Also, you could, you could, even if he's not going to kill him, you could take him into custody. Right. No, but he he might still be my dad. I can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Um, oh god. Yeah, so we we cut to uh what do we cut to? Basically they just de- Oh, Raul's coming up with a plan. They they decide that they're going to do They're going to use Christine as bait. Right. And they're going to do the show. They're going to do the Phantom's show. The the Exactly Don, as Don he's Juan. asked for it. Right. And knowing that he's going to show up and they get the entire police force Right. to show up. Right. So they've come up with a plan. Christine is not happy about it. No, she basically she, begs him, she like, begs don't make me not do this. to do it. And he's like, nope. And he says verbatim, every prayer and every hope rests on you now. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. In, in a stage musical, I mean, he is guilty of pressuring her, mm-hmm. but it's not just him. In the stage musical, it's all of them. It's mm-hmm. the managers. It's um, Carlotta. I mean, everyone is in on it. So can I tell you something about... So I watched this with JJ, my husband. And I remembered little of it enough that he, when we were watching it, he was like Googling about the show. And he was like, oh, she dies. And I was like, what? And so the whole time I was watching the movie, I was like, she's going to die at the end. I didn't realize that, like, her dying at the end was, like, after a long <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and it also in the stage musical, like, that doesn't happen. Right. So, you know, basically... You're just, like, waiting for the I was waiting for... Yeah, I was... I was like, oh, damn it. Like, when she agrees like, to do the, the musical... Like, gonna win. I was like, ugh. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, so... The show opens. The show opens. He takes the place, much like Christian does in Moulin Rouge. He steals a coat or whatever, a, cos- yes. a costume coat, and um, has taken the place of the can, actor. Can I just remark, though, about like how truly horrendous this opera is? Oh, yeah. I mean, they even show like shots of the audience. Audience, like, like ew. Because it's a little bit... Um, I mean, they're in hell, so I don't think it's supposed to sound musically, like, pleasant. Right. It's not supposed to be pleasing to the ear. But 
it's truly horrendous. It's yeah. really, really bad. It's not that bad um, on stage. Really? No. I mean, they it's make like... It, they make it very... What is it, Like, discordant? Is that the word? Yeah. Or like... It's jarring. Yeah. I mean, it's just the pitches... It's pitchy, number yeah. one. It's, it's still, like, really chaotic and um, not... You know, it's not a pretty piece yeah. on stage, but it sounds much better, and it's it's just easier um, to comprehend. It's it's more coherent, if, if that's a word I can use. Right. Um, so he's taken the place and of yeah. The he actor. knocks out, I think, Pianji or the guy that's supposed to be Pianji. Right. Because there's two guys that on stage are plotting like you're gonna look like me and yeah. go in my place. Um. And by the way, another thing on on stage that they do is he wears a full a full um, robe and like sack over his head. So I mean, you really cannot tell who's underneath. Okay. Whereas in this one, once again, it's extremely obvious, it's obvious that it's him. And it seems like they all know that it's him, and they're just like waiting for the right moment. There's even a policeman side stage who knows that it's him. Are they like waiting for? I mean, what are they waiting for? Do they? I don't think they're supposed to know that it's him. But you're right, because I was having the same thought. I was like, does she know? Like, why is she going along she with this? Knows. I feel like she definitely knows. I don't think she knows until he's like got her sort of wrapped in his arms and he starts singing um, "Angel of Music," I think, right. and that's when her eyes get really, really wide. Mm-hmm. And she turns around, and then that's when she rips the mask off. Like, so, she's just figured it out. But, girl, you learned your fucking lesson I about know. that mask. I know. But, I mean, she's doing it on purpose, though. Like, she's trying to expose him to the audience. Right. Okay. And she does, and they all flip I guess out. she doesn't know about his, like, hundreds and hundreds of foot Yeah, he has and- trap doors everywhere. <laughs> and this one happens to be really fucking deep that goes all the way down to the... And this is when they finally do the big chandelier moment. The Mm -hmm. chandelier moment comes a lot earlier in the stage musical. Mm -hmm. It's like the end of act one, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually had to change up some of the lyrics and I think it's Masquerade, but I can't remember because they do reference the chandelier at some point um, in the middle of the musical. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they, they do the big chandelier drop. And I mean, it is good. Um, another fun fact is they, they actually did light that set on fire. So they had one chance yeah. to do this right. Uh, he wanted it to look very realistic. So he said, so put it up in flames. When they uh, when they were planning the stage show, that they knew that they wanted, obviously, to base it off the real Paris Opera House. Um, so, um, the whole time during, like, during the stage musical itself, you have this, this chandelier that looks like it's part of the theater that you're in, Mm -hmm. hanging above the audience. Yeah. And so when this happens, when he pulls the rope and whatever, the, the, the chandelier that's been hanging over the audience the whole time flies over their heads. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, I think that's a, that has a lot to do with why the show is so popular. Yeah. Um, I mean, that and, like, the river effect. I do think it's I mean, something lake, that deserves to be seen yeah. live. Yeah. It's a total... 
again with the train. <laughs> it's a totally different experience um, to see it live. The, the stuff that they pull off, and that's one of my favorite things about a live show is just seeing how are they going to do it right. with such limited space. The, the, the boat in the stage show was a radio-controlled boat. Oh, that's cool. Um, and they, they said that they used the same... They used the same radio channel as the local, as the local fire station or something. <laughs> oh, so that, that's really dangerous. So that whenever, whenever like a fire truck would go by, the the boat would go haywire. <laughs> I'm sure the fire station didn't appreciate that too. Right. <laughs> um, but okay, so he has um, taken Christine back down to his lair, and at this mm-hmm. point. Madame Jury realizes, okay, maybe this has gone too far. See, I know he already killed someone, but But, this is is really... all right. So she leads Raoul to the entrance of the lair. Um, She stops herself short and says, I I dare not go further. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I'm responsible for a lot of this. Um, And she once again tells him to keep his hand at the level of his eyes. I don't understand. Oh, it's about the... Okay, so again in the book, um, the lasso... He uses a lasso. Like, he, Mm -hmm. this is his preferred method of killing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only way to protect yourself from someone swinging a lasso and landing it around your neck is to keep your hand... Right here, oh, right gotcha. up at your eyes. So yeah, they don't really make that clear. Can, no, they yeah. don't. Um, and Raul doesn't listen, so it doesn't matter anyway. Right. And it doesn't end up having anything to do with anything. Nope. So he, so he, but the, he does fall into the the water trap or whatever. Yeah, another another thing. Uh, but yeah, and he figures it out. He gets out of there, and then he finds them. Um, but he's behind like the gate. Um, into the lair yeah, itself. so he's going to save Christine. We, When we get back to Christine and the Phantom, she's now wearing the wedding dress. Right, he's gotten her into the wedding. And this is when we see the mannequin, the actual mannequin, and, she, and he's taking the, the veil. veil off of yeah. it to put it on Christine. Uh, I, the wedding dress thing throws me for a loop, because they do that in the stage production, too, and it's just, it's never explained. Like, I guess he just tells her to she seems to be willing to listen to, yeah. to any random voice that commands her to do something so she's like okay i'll put it on well at this point like she's fearing for her life i mean she's yeah okay so now she maybe has a reasonable excuse right. for listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so raul shows up and he says oh we we have a guest uh, i was hoping he would arrive yeah um, and he basically says either Choose him or me. And if you choose him, I'll kill him. Yeah. Well, he's saying, like, you can choose your freedom. I'll let you go, but I'll kill him. Or you can stay with me and I'll save his life. Right. Um, he, <laughs> he erotically ties up Raul to the great. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's so silly. I mean, yeah. he puts the noose around his neck, but then he ties his arms. Yeah. And and then all of a sudden the noose is not around his neck. Like, more weird, careless mistakes. So basically, Christine ends up kissing the phantom. And this is... And in one instance, it is to save Raul's life. But it's also to prove her compassion yeah, I mean, because before we get to the part where she kisses him, she sings a couple lines about 
how she used to cry tears of him out of pity mm-hmm. and compassion, but now she cries tears of hate after seeing everything that he's done. And, and she explains, it's not your face right. that scares me, it's your soul. Right. It's, it's your behavior, it's the way that you act. And um, I think that's when he starts to sort of have a little bit of self-reflection and, yeah. and realize he's he's gone about this the wrong way. And that's when she she's seeing something about, like, God, give me the courage to show him compassion. Right. And she walks over to him and plants this, like, really passionate kiss mm-hmm. on his face. I mean, it's just... I, I don't like this scene because in the movie, he kisses her back. And, I mean, it is passionate. It's romantic. It's it's a lovely moment. It's and it's not realistic. Erotic. It's very erotic. <laughs> in the stage musical, um, when she kisses him, his eyes are wide open. Like, mm-hmm. he looks like he's in shock because he's obviously never been kissed before. Mm-hmm. And he's also just completely overwhelmed that... that he never thought this was actually going to happen. Right. He, he never thought past, like, okay, so if I do get Christine, what happens next? Right. He has no idea. So he's, in both the stage musical and in the movie, either way, he's completely overcome with this compassion that she is showing him. Right. He breaks down, he starts crying, and he decides, okay, just just leave. Yeah, he's going to let them go. Get out of here, but you have to swear not to tell anybody about me or what happened. Yeah. So they get on the boat and they leave, standing up for some reason on the boat. Yeah, and they're they're singing their song and she's looking back at him the whole time. And then he after he's conceited, he's like sitting down with his monkey music box and singing about wearing a mask and he's crying and, and I'm not gonna lie, this is my favorite scene with Gerard Butler mm-hmm. in the movie. I mean, I think he he actually does get this moment down pretty well sure it's the only moment in the movie where i felt like any emotions (laughs) yeah um but then christine shows back up wait yeah she shows back up she's just standing there watching him and then she gives him the engagement ring from raul and i'm sure raul cannot be happy about this right but she gives him the ring and he says i love you Mm -hmm. and then that's the end of it right um I mean, it's not the end of the movie, but that's the end of their saga. Right. And then he starts breaking all of his mirrors as they float away, and then he's gone. And so once Meg, the leader of the police, (laughs) shows up. She's in pants now. (laughs) Shows up to the lair, and she finds, like, his mask and... Whatever. Yeah, so on stage, this is when everything cuts to black and they end with a spotlight just on Meg and she's holding up the mask kind of close to her face and it's a really lovely ending. In the movie, we get another flash forward mm-hmm. and we haven't touched on it because they're so pointless. There's a lot of like random flash forwards right. throughout the film. That don't have anything to do with it. I didn't write any of them it's down. It's just like it's more Raul riding in his car right. reminiscing. Right. Or having like a meaningful glance with Madame Giry. Yeah. From, yeah. It's it's just totally unnecessary. Oh, by the way, Madame Giry is not she's she's not at the auction. In the in the no, stage. Yeah. No, no, because she's obviously dead because right. she's much older. <laughs> um but yeah, so in the movie um he finally arrives at his destination and it's 
Christine's grave. Right. And she has died like the year before or two that year. years before yeah. so the timing is again very strange but he's there to deliver the music box which she didn't have any sort of romantic attachment attachment no to. it was the phantom yeah she, he puts the the box at her grave and then he notices that there's a single red rose with as the, the black phantom. ribbon and, and the, the ring and the engagement ring but she died two years ago so like are they both just now mourning her or is at it the like the time? or is it the anniversary of her death it doesn't explain nothing any of it but what we do see from this is that she was born in 1854 so she was in fact 60 years old yeah (laughs) so and she says that she and raul were childhood sweethearts so i don't know how old we're supposed to think he is if he's supposed to be but he can't be the same he can't be 16 and be like a opera patron right um unless he was i don't know she has some strange uh, childhood relationships with men. Like, it's so... It's odd. Yeah. It's really odd. Like, both of these men were, like, older than her when she was a child, and it's... Uh, anyway... We don't like it. The movie is over, and then we're hit, we're hit with Mini Driver's hit single... <laughs> what is it called? Something uh, about being something lonely. Something lonely, yeah. It doesn't... It's not good. Yeah, it's bad. Was it nominated for Best Original Song? <laughs> Actually, yes, it was. It, was. <laughs> it didn't win. It didn't win. Um, I basically got to most of my stage history stuff while we were talking about it. Just a little, just a couple little things. Michael Crawford, who I talked about, who was the comedian, um, who was ended up being cast um, as the Phantom. His name was Michael Crawford. I told you he was a diva. They called him Joan. Oh, really? Joan Crawford. No, because, really? <laughs> because he was such a diva. That's interesting. Um, there were huge casting calls for this, like huge like cattle call casting for all of this. Um, it was, there were so many like hirings and firings throughout, like of directors, the uh, musical directors, and the, who also was the conductor. A lot of con- Carlotta's conductor. involved. Just like uh, they just like hired and fired and replaced, but um, the producer of this was Cameron McIntosh, mm-hmm. who also did Cats, Les Mis, Miss Saigon, yeah. Hamilton, like the producer of like the the most successful. Yeah, at the end of the twenty fifth anniversary performance, they bring out all of these people, mm-hmm. and it's it's actually really touching. Um, at the very end, actually, they bring out Sarah Brightman and then all of the most famous phantoms throughout the years. Okay. They bring out Michael Crawford, but for some reason, he doesn't sing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was just, like, struggling with his voice or, or whatever, but they bring out... Um, they bring out Colm Wilkinson, whom I know you love. Yeah, he was... He was the original Jean Valjean. And he had he had done, like, a bunch of clips that they played of, like, really early incarnations of the show. He did do some phantom work. Yeah, yeah. He was a very popular phantom. And then a few others who whose names I don't recall. But anyways, go on. Um, also, they did, do, they did release um, a single before the show, like, right before the show... Um, of All I Ask of You with a different singer as the Phantom. I do like that song. Uh-huh. Um, what else do we got here? Um, they were plagued by technical difficulties, of course, during Ooh. during their... Yeah, they, they said, like, is there actually a, a, a Phantom? <laughs> it's like, no, you're just using, like, 
radio technology to move a <laughs> boat across the state. Um, also, so they did a sequel to this. Love Never Dies. Love Never Dies. I didn't really write anything down about it just because it's so... Anyway, it's so horrible. So Yeah, I have no interest in seeing it. So Andrew Lloyd Webber in 1990 so while phantom was still going strong like started developing this um sequel that was going to take place in new york and he had developed it with like one of these one of these writers who and then he abandoned it but the writer released decided to keep going and like basically released the book version of this sequel in 1999 and then they kept working on it, and then eventually by nineteen by two thousand ten, I think they re- released the actual show. But the story is that Madame Giry and Meg are now working at this basically Coney Island type place. So they've gone to America. Yeah, and it's called Phantasmic with a oh ph. Oh my gosh! And of course, it's run by the Phantom. And uh, so he and. Madame Giry are yeah. besties again. Right. And uh, he sends a letter to Christine back in Paris, like getting her to perform at this at this carnival. Does he sign it OG? <laughs> Don't know. No, he she doesn't know until whatever. She's just like, oh, a random. And it's like a carnival and there are like sure. there's a carnival and there's like a freak show and all this stuff. It's like, why would you participate in this thing that's the source of your trauma? Anyway, I don't re- want to read into it that much, but they figure out. So uh, Christine and Raul have a child who they figure out belongs to the Phantom. No, that that they had had from when that back then they had had this secret night of sex. What? <laughs> what? And so you find out that this child that, that Raul and Christine had brought along is not. His it belongs to the Phantom. No, why? I stopped. I stopped reading it after this. Why? Was, I don't know. <laughs> Do Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sarah Brightman have a secret love child? Is that what this is? I don't know. I don't think they have any kids. I don't know. Well, it was, it was... maybe they do illegitimately. Anyway, it's gross. Um, Yikes. Yeah, you have it, any... it just got terrible reviews, so I just I I've never been interested. Yeah, it looks absolutely horrible. I mean, I don't think it lasted very. It didn't even make it to. It was supposed to premiere simultaneously in London, New York, and Shanghai. No. Oh. And it only premiered in London, and it never went anywhere else. I don't think because it was like really bad. Yeah. Um, do you want to get to anything else before we do recast? Um, I don't think so. I think most of my notes are uh, primarily about the casting mm. decisions that were made. Um, oh, for the for the movie, yeah, yeah, because I don't have a lot of recasting um, recommendations because, as as we mentioned earlier, these are really challenging roles, yeah. and I just I don't think that your average. Hollywood act. Well, I, I chose actor, a lot of actress could do it. I chose a lot of singers. Yeah, who aren't who aren't necessarily actors first. But I mean, the acting is so. I think the acting is extremely important because I I, I just I can't recommend watching the stage version enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it really changes the entire thing. Sure. Yeah, I and mean, there are so many clips of like the original. Like it is show. possible to do this show pretty well. Yeah. Um 
but you have to have both qualities there. And it's very rare to find someone, you know, especially in the role of Christine, who can dance ballet, right. sing a beautiful soprano, mm-hmm. and act. I mean, that's that's demanding. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what I wrote down. Okay. Of course, I wrote down Zendaya. And <laughs> I, I don't know about I don't know about this one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Think if so. she, I don't know if she could do if she has like a soprano kind of a voice. I did write I did write down Amanda uh, Seyfried. Yeah, I think she was the first person that came to my mind too. Um, obviously now she's probably in her thirties. I don't know if she, she looks. She looks pristine. great. Yeah, she looks pristine, Christine. <laughs> Um, I also wrote down Olivia Rodrigo. I don't know who that is. So she she's on um, <laughs> High School Musical, the musical, the series. <laughs> and uh, okay. she also has this big new song. Uh, oh, is she the uh, driver driver's license, license girl? Yeah. yeah, okay. I've heard of, I don't know what it is, but I've heard about it. And I also wrote down Ariana Grande. Okay, she, that was she was my thought too, but girl cannot enunciate. So well, I say, but she's also she has her out. roots. She has her roots in Broadway. I think that if she did something like this, she what would, do you mean she has a? She's very young. What was she? Cosette? Um, she was in she was in the Little Night Music. She that's where they discovered her for Nickelodeon was on Broadway. Oh, she made it to the big leagues. Uh huh. Well, Nickelodeon. Yeah. No, I think Ariana Grande is very talented, and she obviously has the vocal range, yeah. and she can act. Yeah. But I mean it when I say she cannot enunciate, and it drives me crazy. And I, I don't know that Nickelodeon acting would translate super duper well. Yeah. I mean, I think she may be able to pull it off. Who knows? I, I when, won't when, say no. I won't when say we, no. When we cast her in our production, she, I bet she can do it. I will give um. her a screen test. <laughs> Um, so for the Phantom, I said uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. He's a favorite of ours. Love him. He uh, could be a good Raul too. Yeah, um, these are mostly all interchangeable between Phantoms and Raouls. But okay. I, I also said Harry Styles. Oh, again, he's too pretty, Raul. Okay, and then Aaron Tveit. I have Aaron Tveit down for both Raul and the Phantom. But. I that I agree with. That I agree with. Um, and for then sure. for Ra- for Raul, I said Nick Jonas. Okay, he did. What did he do? He, he did like Marius. a Les Mis thing. He, yeah. he did Marius for the twenty fifth yeah. anniversary. Yeah, um, I like Nick Jonas. Um, I said Aaron Tveit, and I said Eddie Redmayne. Of so course. these are old favorites of, of ours. Of course, of course. Um, for Carlotta, Audra McDonald, of course. Yeah, I didn't write anything else down because that's a no brainer. Fair enough. Um, for Madame Giry, I said Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay. Meryl Streep. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Christine Baranski. Love all of those suggestions. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have a lot of singing. Yeah. And these, I think Meryl Streep would be great as Madame Jury. So I recently watched The Prom. Did you watch it yet? I haven't seen it yet, no. Meryl Streep's singing is out of this world. It's much it, better than it's, past it's, performances. She sounds, as a singer, so she sounds so much better than she did in Mamma Mia. Interesting. Okay. In well, I will watch it. I've heard terrible reviews, but from all of my closest friends, I've heard it's pretty fun. And It's fun. It's, it's not. There's not much to it, but it's fun. Um, for Joseph Bouquet, I said Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why not? And then as a joke, for uh, Furman and Andreas, it's Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> So, 
Classic. <laughs> Good one. Did you have any other casting suggestions? No, I really didn't. I Well, I, I do and I don't. I have notes on who auditioned yeah, and obviously didn't get it. And I think that some of these options would have been a lot better. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, well, the the one I have to start with, because it just, it blows my mind, um, Michael Jackson, that Michael Jackson was a huge fan of this show oh. when it opened in New York, and he actually approached Andrew Lloyd Webber and told him, I want to be the Phantom when you make this into a movie, and they talked about it for, uh, I don't know, they had discussions, and ultimately, Andrew Lloyd Webber said it's too soon because the show had just opened on Broadway. Yeah. And um, they hadn't even written the screenplay yet. So I told Michael Jackson it's too soon, but maybe. And th- I don't know that he ever got a call back, but I mean, Michael it, Jackson really wanted to be the Phantom. It came out like, you know, five years before he died. Yeah. No, so he, he was, was around. Alive. Like, it could have... It could have happened. But I can't imagine his voice I know. translating I well. know. I know. I yeah. mean. I'm just, I'm glad it didn't work out. But as far as, like, physicality, I can see that. No. 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 No, no, no. I just mean as far as, like, he, the Phantom is supposed to be this, like, kind of slender. I don't think he's supposed to be slender. I think he's supposed to have a scary face, and that's about it. I, one of the descriptions that I don't remember where I saw it, but he's like supposed to be more like slender and one of the other it's things. Not like Michael Crawford was. One of he's the not other, a wafy man. One of the other things that Michael Crawford said though was that he had his um, his sleeves made short so that his hands would seem like long and creepy. I like that. And so, like, so then he would, when he would put his arms around Christine from behind, like his hand would like. Yeah, because he's supposed to sort of like shuffle around, you yeah. know, kind of like a rat. Yeah. Um, and he said that he that he made the physicality of the Phantom very cat-like. Uh, other actors considered for the Phantom included Kevin Spacey. Blech. John Travolta, Antonio Banderas, who actually did perform at an Andrew Lloyd Webber celebration concert thing as the Phantom. Yeah, and I mean he did he did Evita. He had, he obviously had history with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right, he's better than Gerard Butler, but yeah. it it wasn't a total win for me. They considered Meatloaf, which I think is really really fun. I think that's, that's that would have been good stunt casting for me. I mean, he like, was in um, Rocky like, Horror. Uh, Meatloaf could have done it. But Meatloaf with Emmy Rossum? Well, not with Emmy Rossum. <laughs> no. But he could have done it. Yeah. Um, Heath Ledger. His name pops up all over these musicals. It's a shame that we yeah, never we got never to got see him to in see one. That. Yeah. Um, Matthew McConaughey. I don't get that at all. No. And then, of course, the first person they called was Hugh Jackman, but yeah. he was doing Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. Or one of those movies. Yeah, like some X Men movie. Yeah. So for Christine. We have some conflicting stories here mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of people say that they, that Andrew, not Andrew Lloyd Webber, but uh, Joel Schumacher was insistent that she be a very young actress. Yeah. And Andrew Lloyd Webber said that he conceded to her being much younger, but he insisted that she be able to sing. Yeah. So what wound up happening was apparently they didn't screen test anyone over the age of 25. 
Okay. Which is, yeah, it's just, it's yeah. really gross. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also read that the first person they offered it to was Catherine Zeta-Jones. And she said no, because she had just done Chicago. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't find any more information on that. Some, I think that could have just been a she's rumor. She's also, I don't think that she, she's obviously not a soprano. No. Yeah. So I, I don't know that that's real. Yeah. But um, the first person that looked like they were about to get it. Uh, was virtually committed was Katie Holmes. And then, oh. get this, Andrew Lloyd Webber, or not, <sighs> Joel Schumacher said she was too old. She was 24 years old. Ew. Ew. And then they offered it to Anne Hathaway, which definitely would have worked. That would have worked, yeah. Absolutely. But she had already committed to The Princess Diaries 2, a royal engagement. Oh. So Anne Hathaway couldn't do it. Other girls that auditioned or were considered, at least, include Keira Knightley. Mm-hmm. Don't know if she can sing, but why not? Kate Winslet, another name that pops up yeah. in all of these musical audition stories. And then, this one's interesting, Charlotte Church. Do you remember her? Yeah. Voice of an angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if she acts, but I thought that was an interesting consideration. Uh, as far as all of that casting goes, uh, yeah, I I think that I I just I don't think that you can do this movie with only film actors and actresses. Right. I think that you really require um, somebody with the the stage presence yeah. with that that sort of training and talent um, yeah. that we see on Broadway. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so the the actors that did it in the twenty fifth twenty fifth anniversary are Sierra Borges as Christine. She also uh, was the first Ariel when they brought Little Mermaid. Oh, okay. To to the to stage. The stage. Uh-huh. Uh, Ramin Karimlu. He's the Phantom, and he's incredible. He was also. Um, well, he and the guy that plays Raul, the guy that plays Raul is Hadley Fraser. Uh-huh. They were both in Les Mis, I think. Yeah. Hadley Fraser, I want to say he did Marius, and then Ramin did Angeras, uh-huh. or Angeras, or yeah. whatever we say, Angeras. Um, and I think those roles are interchangeable. I know that Ramin has also played Raul at some point. Yeah, they have very similar... The ranges of those two parts are pretty right. are pretty interchangeable. Yeah, and then, as I mentioned earlier, we saw that Colm Wilkinson, he was the Phantom at some point. Like, basically, if you can do Les Mis, you can do Phantom. Right. <laughs> More or less. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know why we can't see more theater actors in movies. Right. I mean, it worked out really well in Les Mis with Samantha. Um, Samantha Bart. Yeah. I mean, she's my favorite. And even, and even Aaron Tveit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, Why not? It works. Why don't they just do it? I mean, I've... Are you listening, like, Hollywood? <laughs> but it's not like Emmy Rossum was even a star at the time. No. She was completely so unknown. She had done that one movie that I remember seeing. It was called Songcatcher. Mm. It was another movie where she sang... It was this movie about, um, it was about this woman who, like, uh, did a tour through Appalachia, Appalachia, mm. in, like, I don't in, like where this is going. In, like, Victorian times, in order to, and she brought, like, this, like, sonograph recorder, and would, like, and was, went, went around to try to record all of, like, the old, like, folk songs, like, mm. Appalachian folk songs to, like, 
get them documented because they were only like word of mouth songs that had never been written down. I guess this is a true story. Yes, and Emmy well, Ross. That's interesting. And Emmy Rossum played like a little, uh, like a little Appalachian girl who sang the song. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> it does sound interesting. That's pretty interesting. Um, I, I think that I've beat up on this movie enough. Yeah, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I honestly, I got more into it the more I, I did my research about the stage show. Yeah, go stuff. home and watch the stage show. You said I think it'll change your mind. You a said it's bit. on Amazon Prime. It is. Yeah, watch yeah, it. There's good. also a YouTube documentary. <laughs> Uh, that I watched. You can learn about all of the a, intended erections, apparently. <laughs> it's like I think it's a BBC documentary. I think it's called Behind the Mask or something. They're but. they're more open about that sex stuff than we are in America. <laughs> the erection. I just <laughs> that the choreographer planned that. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. We've talked about Phantom now for a while. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll um we'll be back in a couple weeks with. Uh, I don't know what, but it won't be Andrew Lloyd Webber. No, we'll 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 wait a while till till we do another AL dub. A little while. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> AL dubs. <laughs> <laughs>